Welcome to the AWC City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. The 2024 legislative session starts in January. AWC recently passed the legislative priorities that cities will focus on during the session. I'm Sarah, Digital Communications Specialist at AWC, and we're sitting down with four AWC lobbyists to discuss the upcoming legislative issues this session and what you can expect. And I'm Gabby, Strategic Content Analyst at AWC. And as Sarah mentioned, we're sitting down with our lobbyists here at AWC to talk about the legislative priorities for this session. I'm hoping each of you will introduce yourselves, introduce your issue areas, and maybe tell us what you like most about the fall, since we're heading into the rainy season here in Olympia. Um, so, Carl, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, hi, I'm Carl Schrader. I'm uh, the Deputy Government Relations Director here at AWC. Um, my issue areas are affordable housing and homelessness, uh, land use and environmental issues. And my favorite thing about fall is the, the fall colors. Nice. Candice? I'm Candace Bach, Government Relations Director, and I cover budget and finance issues, um, human resources and labor relations and pensions, and open government for AWC. And my favorite thing about fall is Halloween. Ooh, nice. Um, Lindsay. Hi, I'm Lindsay Heuer. I'm a government relations advocate for AWC. My portfolio includes public safety, criminal justice, behavioral health, human services, uh, cannabis, general government, and some other minor issues. Uh, my favorite thing about fall is soccer. Soccer season. Ooh, soccer season. Okay, Brandy. Yeah, hi. Um, I'm Brandy Dilling. I'm also one of the government relations advocates here on staff, and I cover transportation, infrastructure, energy, and broadband issues. And unpopular opinion, my favorite thing about fall mm. is candy corn. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a mixed <laughs> opinion kind of item. <laughs> nice. Candace, tell us a little bit about this session's priorities and how they were developed, how we um, adopted them. You know, how does AWC do that work? Yeah, that's a, a good question and an important one um, as we are now rolling out these uh, priorities that were adopted by our board recently. There's a lot of work that went into it, and it started back in the spring, just as soon as the 2023 session was over. Um, we were starting uh, to think about and work on the 2024 agenda, um, first with a, a call to our members to say, what, what do you want to have on the list? What do you want um, in consideration? And then we worked with our Legislative Priorities Committee, which is about 30 city officials from around the state um, representing large and small cities, urban and rural, and um, they vetted and discussed and identified additional issues and met over the summer and then wrapped up with making recommendations to the AWC board. Um, and the AWC board, again, recently adopted not just our four priorities that we'll talk about, um, but uh, a host of other issues um, that were identified as significant issues or other items to support. So it's a, it's a, a a lengthy process, an involved process. There's lots of opportunities for the membership to engage um, throughout. And uh, it, I think, came up with a good product as we head into um, the 2024 session. 
And again, um, the 2024 session, this will feel like a broken record by the time we get to <laughs> January, but just the reminder that this is the short 60-day session, and it is an election year for the legislature um, with the entire House up for election and half the Senate. It is also, of course, um, a statewide office uh, election year. So the governor's office, the AG, um, I, all of the all, all of the, the above, all the people. <laughs> it's campaign season already for next year. Um, that gets a little bit depressing, maybe for, for um, those, those all those commercials. But anyhow, it's a big election year, which means that um, you know it, that will color the session in terms of what are they willing to take on as they head into campaign season. Several folks who will be in the legislature are, are running too, so that'll be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, there are a number of legislators running for those statewide offices in addition to those just running for re-election. So it's not just a short session, it's an extremely busy session. Yeah, potentially, you know, it's it's just that, that campaign environment makes it uh, very different. And we've seen a transition in who will be overseeing our budget as well. We've got folks who went to the county level and now we've got new chairs, right? That's right. In the Senate, um, uh, Senator uh, Christine Rolfes uh, stepped down from the, the legislature to uh, go to the county commission. We'll, we will miss her for sure. And now uh, Senator June Robinson is is taking on that role in the Senate. Um, you know, this again, that's a, a good point, Brandy. This is not a budget writing year per se, like this past long session, but they will be doing supplemental updates to the budgets. And depending on their revenue situation, um, you know, that that could be a big deal or it could not be a big deal. Right now, it feels like it's not going to be a huge, um, you know, uh, effort to rewrite a bunch of budgets. Um but as Brandy um, will we'll note, the Climate Commitment Act dollars are, are creating some interest since those are coming in higher than anticipated. Well, let's start with Lindsay, since I know public safety is really high on the priorities list this year. Um, Lindsay, what can you tell us about uh, the priority around public safety and what it means to cities? And please, if other folks have questions or you want to jump in with thoughts, please do. Yeah, absolutely. So the um, AWC board prioritized law enforcement recruitment and retention um, as one of the top four priorities. But I think generally, you know, cities are certainly interested in public safety broadly. Um, and there are a number of public safety issues that are significant issues as well. Um, but as it relates to the the law enforcement recruitment and retention specifically looking at some fiscal flexibility and fiscal resources um, because we know that that's a continuing demand and um, is not going to wane anytime soon. Right. And I know retention and training is a big deal as well. So um, what sorts of um, how, how do we want to focus on those priorities and bring those to the legislature? Yeah. So some of it, of course, is related to fiscal in terms of the, um, you know, a lot of cities are adding some additional resources within to the recruitment portfolio. So whether that's um, having recruitment specialists that work for the police department to do that recruitment work um, and having the financial resources to be able to pay for that staff. Um, but also, you know, they're doing hiring bonuses and retention bonuses and some of those sorts of things um, within the police departments to try and recruit and retain staff. Um, and then looking, of course, at additional state fiscal um, priorities in terms of additional basic law enforcement academy or BALEA classes, um, which all law enforcement have to attend before they can become a commissioned officer. And so making sure that we have additional capacity so as folks are hired that they can 
you know, quickly go through the BALEA classes um, and get started because it's a long process, um, even if they were able to start immediately. So um, if we're going to address the need that is, exists today, we need to make sure that that process can happen as fast as possible. Right. And then, you know, you're talking about the needs today, but I know a lot of the police force is retiring. Right. So um, a lot of the police force is either at retirement age or close to retirement age. Um, and so making sure that we not only are able to fill those vacancies as they come up, but, um, you know, across the state and really across the country, we're seeing that the retirement rates are in excess of the rates of people coming in. And so um, even if we just take, you know, folks as they're reaching that retirement age, we're not meeting the need to just even backfill those positions, let alone meet the need to, you know, address growing populations and growing public safety concerns. Okay. Um, and I don't want to necessarily just stick with you, Lindsay, but I also know that behavioral health is really high on the list and that there's a lot of sort of crossover between um, law enforcement and how that functions on the street and behavioral health uh, related investments. So um, can you talk a little bit about sort of that crossover and what that means for cities? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good point. There is a lot of crossover between public safety and behavioral health. Um, and I think kind of community wellness in general and what does that look like? And people are having, you know, a lot of dialogue in terms of how do we improve the services that are available for our community members and how do we address, you know, what we're seeing in terms of fentanyl and drug usage. Um, and cities historically haven't been involved in the behavioral health space as a direct treatment service provider. Um, but certainly in terms of the, the first response and the crisis responses, you know, public safety is a core responsibility of city government. And so how do we meet the kind of changing needs that we're seeing um, and how do we partner with the behavioral health resources and how do we make sure that there is resources available at every step um, because as I said cities aren't the ones providing every service along this entire continuum but they need to have all of those services available if the system's going to work um, all the way from the 988 mental health hotline to making sure that there's somebody that they can call coordinating that with 911 response then looking at you know the first response in terms of do we have a co-responder program do we have mental health professionals do we have behavioral health professionals that can come out in some circumstances where that may be the best situation um, and you know whether it's law enforcement or behavioral health professionals do they have some place where they can help the person who's in crisis to go. Um, and then broader than that, making sure that all of us have access to mental health resources, behavioral health resources, substance use disorder treatment um, for you know, the entire range of our community and making sure we have that crisis level of care all the way carrying through to that, that outpatient level of care. Um, and I think it's going to be all of those dials a little bit to making sure that we have both the financial resources coming from the state for that and then also some minor policy shifts to you know, recognize the changing environment and how do we do this a little better. Nice. Thank you. Um, okay, I think let's shift gears just a little bit. We'll stick with sort of a funding overview and maybe move over to the property tax. I know that's um, something that we're talking a lot about this session. Um, Candace, do you want to sort of fill us in on what that's about and what that might mean to cities? Yeah, this isn't a new issue um, for cities. Uh, property tax um, has been something we've been talking about for more than 20 years now, ever since uh, the voters approved the initiative capping the property tax arbitrarily at 1%. Um, and then uh, when that was overturned by the courts, the legislature came back in and adopted it anyhow. And so that was about in uh, uh, 
2001. Um, so for those of us who've been around for a long time, this has been an ongoing issue and it has often been something we've asked the legislature to address. Um, this year, the um, membership identified it as a priority um, in part because last session there was a renewed interest in it by the legislature. We had the state's uh, tax structure work group actually recommend changing the local property tax cap um, from that arbitrary 1% up to 3% tied to inflation and population growth. And so there's um, there's some renewed interest in it. And I think going to, um, as Lindsay described, really the funding challenges with basic crucial services like public safety cities are just not able to keep up with those expenses, um, particularly right now with high inflation and um, uh, the need for increasing wages to compete with the private sector. Um, and just the cost of providing every service has increased substantially. So we really need to look at fixing this structural deficit that has been created by the this arbitrary 1% cap. And, um, you know, I think there's uh, some in the legislature who are really um, interested in this and they're asking questions. Many legislators don't know the history of it. They just haven't been around for that 20 years um, or know what it was like beforehand. So this is a good opportunity um, for our cities to talk to their legislators about just what would that little bit of extra room in their communities do in terms of um, providing additional funding flexibility for those critical services, and also potentially taking some of the pressure off of using the more regressive forms of, of revenue generation that we have, um, because those are really the only areas that cities have a lot of flexibility in. So um, this is going to be a huge and heavy lift. And it is something that cities are really going to need to talk to their legislators about um, how it will be an important and positive impact in their community. And it's going to take a lot of explanation because our property tax system is very complicated um, and not well understood. So, uh, you know, uh, local officials are really going to have to spend some time with their legislators helping um, to answer those questions when they come up. Let's talk with Brandy and hear a little bit about what you're working on this session and um, and what you think that will do to support cities. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who has been around the city world for a while. Um, infrastructure funding remains to be a top priority for our members. And, you know, really looking forward to the 2024 session, I think in part the thing that our members have been focused on and want to focus on is ensuring that we have funding available for operation and maintenance of our traditional and non-traditional infrastructure. So really thinking about our streets, our wastewater systems, our bridges, and then also thinking about uh, broadband and the deployment of broadband across the state, not only the fiber, but also ensuring that folks have access um, that's equitable and affordable um, <clears throat> to that digital connectivity that they need that really kind of supports everything um, that is related to our infrastructure systems when you really get down to it. Often we're relying on broadband and digital networks to support our wastewater treatment facilities and our drinking water facilities as well. So these these things are really interconnected. Um, and I think our membership recognizes that and, and they really want the legislature to recognize that. And by supporting things like the public works assistance account and other mechanisms out there, um, this will hopefully afford us the opportunity to create a little bit more balance like what Candace is alluding to. 
Um, in addition to that, though, I think our folks are really starting to think kind of forwardly about climate change and where we need to um, be proactive in that space. And, and we all know that with the Climate Commitment Act and the, the funding that's coming into the state, it's, there's a robust amount of money there, um, which we believe will provide cities the opportunity to be a little bit more um, proactive and progressive in their carbon reduction and in their climate resiliency. Um, and we're hopeful that the legislature will, A, invest in programs that already support that activity, but B, also perhaps provide some direct funding to, to cities so that we can do some work more on the ground and more directly related to, to what our constituent bases are asking for. Um, and then, you know, just kind of going back to broadband for a second, I think the other thing that our membership is starting to acknowledge is we have over a billion dollars worth of money coming into Washington to support um, broadband deployment. Uh, and, and we expect that there will be a lot of um, fury around this at the legislature this year. Um, and so, again, thinking about where we can find matching dollars, for instance, um, and where the state can invest those matching dollars so that we as local jurisdictions can support the expansion of broadband. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to um, say these are the four priorities uh, identified by our members and our legislative priorities committee and adopted by our board. And um, in addition to these four priorities, there are, I think, more than a dozen significant issues that were also identified. And then another group of um, items to support in the coming session. So one of the things about representing cities before the legislature is the the wide um, array, the myriad of topics that are important to cities, that cities are responsible for. And so in addition to these four priorities, there is a long list of other issues and topics um, that we will be advocating for and talking about. And, um, you know, again, we're, we're going to ha- let Carl talk about housing <laughs> because it wouldn't be an AWC podcast on legislative <laughs> issues if we didn't talk about housing. But um, that's certainly at, at, uh, sort of at the top of the list on those other significant issues. Yeah. So that's a good segue, Carl. What can you tell us about housing this session, where, where we are and where we're headed? Yeah. Well, um, I think the regular listeners to this podcast know last year was a uh, last session was an incredibly busy one on the housing front. Um, you know, that's an indication, I think, of the seriousness that the um, the whole legislature is, um, you know, taking that challenge with. We saw bipartisan interests. We saw a whole host of different ideas on how to move the needle to get better outcomes, both from a you know strictly supply sense. You know, uh, how do we get more houses built, no matter what they um, may rent or sell for? more apartment buildings, et cetera, to, uh, you know, how do we address the lower income needs that the market just cannot deliver? Um, And I expect that we're going to see a continuation of that interest and enthusiasm. Um, Some of the bigger ideas had kind of got concluded last year, particularly the middle housing bill. But we do have uh, the governor request transit oriented development bill uh, that did not pass last year. Work is continuing on that front, as well as just um, not just that that specific um, bill and approach to um, maximizing transit infrastructure and and uh, the connection with housing, but also just how do we uh, how do we move forward with um, what we all want to see, which is greater density, greater utilization of these public assets, ability for people to live there without maybe needing a car full time and things like that. 
we know our cities uh, who have uh, light rail stations or bus rapid transit routes um, want to maximize that as well. So we're really looking to expand the repertoire of the stories that we can tell um, to the policymakers about what are the different features that you could support if you wanted to see that type of development happen. And one of the biggest challenges across um, both that TOD and then just housing in general is the the fact that we know, um, based on laws that have been passed over the last several years, that overall, the whole state, uh, we need more than a million homes in the next 20 years, uh, and over half of them have to be affordable um, for folks who make 50% or less of the median income. And that's a level that the private market just can't deliver. If members want to get more involved now or um, or learn more as we're going along through the session, what, what would they do? What would the best way to approach that would be? Well, our members have heard us say um, <laughs> advocacy is a year-round job, and um, this is a really critical time in that advocacy timeline. Um, we at AWC will be producing fact sheets on our priorities and some of the other issues that are going to be critical going into the 2024 session. So we'll be putting out those resources for our members to use um, and refer to. Uh, we are in the process of doing our city condition survey and um, getting that data back out to our members to help again with those conversations with their legislators. But now is definitely the time to be meeting with your legislators, talking about um, AWC's priorities, developing your own city legislative agenda. Um, uh, we would encourage you to incorporate AWC's priorities into your agenda, but look at those things that are really important and crucial to your community and share those with your legislator. Also, as you're going through your budget process, that's a great time to include your legislators and invite them in for those conversations so they can hear how your council, how your community is wrestling with um, the available revenue and um, the ever-increasing uh, you know, list of needs and expenses that your city has to keep up with those basic services. So this is a really important time for that legislative outreach and um you know, to start thinking about how you'll continue those conversations through the legislative session. Yeah, and uh, save the date for city action days too. Right, so the end of January this year, in a short session, we do city action days um, at the end of January. And uh, the, those are on your calendar, hopefully, um, your <laughs> AWC calendar that's uh, displayed in your, your office. Um, and I think they'll be opening registration before too long. Make that appointment with your legislators. And that's it for today's podcast. Be sure to check out the transcript of this episode for associated links. The City Voice podcast is a production of AWC, where our mission is to serve our members through advocacy, education, and services. As always, thanks for listening.